JT, you there? Hello. Hello. So, Neil, did you see the uh, fucker riding the pussy videos? Uh, yeah, some of them. What do you think of that phenomenon? Um, well, I think it's funny. The I know that the that the initial ones are actually fake. Like that's not real. It's <laughs> just messed up on a level. Yes. So, JT is now aware of the uh, of what the Chan is doing to himself. Oh, God. And Ben might have a little something for you to listen to, Neil. I do not. You, oh, yeah, you're not going to show that. Last week, Ben showed me uh, you know, the latest trials and tribulations of uh, everyone's mentally retarded narcissist. And Neil's Chris just, Chan. Yeah, Neil's like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I literally sat there watching the video like slack-jawed where you see him marching through the GameStop and he sprays the guy. And I was like, the fuck is going on? And Ben told me how he, he ran into the Sears to change his clothes and get away scot-free. And I'm just like, the fuck is wrong with this man? Because no one's going to recognize him on camera. Yes, because there certainly couldn't be two mongoloid sons of bitches running around the mall. Well, I told Only one of them's not dressed like a woman. Yeah. It's like, well, we caught him, but he's not wearing the same clothes as the guy... Even though they look exactly the same, it's clearly a different guy because they're wearing different clothes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, let him go. Let him go. You gotta remember, he's not that smart. <laughs> by a lot. I mean, it's it's you know, it's not even up oh, by a little bit. Uh, oh, I told uh, JT he should watch Possumous Woman. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I make this. Let me put it this way. It's the best bad movie you will ever see. Outside of an Andy Sedaris movie. You're a little goo. Where are you? Yeah. Not quite finished yet. I have two pages to go. Which why, which is why after like page four, it abruptly cuts to a different comic. I don't think JT gets the jokes. Oh, I'm sure he no. gets the jokes. He's just, it's it's Scooby-Doo. The one girl's a shapeshifter. No. I, I kind of figured that. I was just look, for a second there looking at the... <laughs> the framed pictures you have in the background in the last panel there. I was like, is that Metalark? <laughs> I know that's one of the Globetrotters. Yeah. And the, the other and one is Don, Don Knotts. And, and for a second, for some reason, I thought that was Pee Wee Herman. I don't know why, but just for a second. Shame. I just love the way you narrow Dossian's face and she's like, I should turn around, shouldn't I? <laughs> It's like it's like what's going to happen is really stupid. I know. <laughs> I like that pop. Well, that's like Reaper. That's, that's like every villain on on the original Scooby Doo. They're all like. Hur! They sounded like the the old Frankenstein. Except for the space kook, which is for some reason of all the old Scooby Doo villains, like from. The original series, and I count anything prior to the appearance of Scrappy-Doo as original series, um, which I think is like the first three seasons. What about like the new movies? Uh, we'll talk about that. But, Scooby-Doo, uh, waiting for you. You know, that that's harder yeah. to nail down because there were like two, two uh, um, 
seasons of the normal show. Then there were, I think there were two seasons of Scooby movies. It's like the order that you think it goes in is not the way it happened. It's like Scrappy was like way down the line. Yeah. It was like almost 80s when that when he first showed up. I think. And then I it was like him. 70s. And oh. then and then but history's, history's greatest monster, uh, John Semper. <laughs> Worked on the Flynn Flam. Yeah. I just want to anyway. see, if I can, but, uh, see if I can find the image of the space kook. Oh, yeah, the space kook. I remember that now. What about yeah, the robot? That's for, the robot was very... I, I always thought it kind of looked like a sentinel for some reason. But for I, I couldn't tell you why. I think maybe it was like one of the first cartoon or Scooby-Doo cartoons I saw. But the space kook is my favorite villain design. Ah. <laughs> I, just because it's simple like that. I know the first Scooby-Doo comic I ever read uh, was... There was two of them. There was the one... I can't remember the episode. It's the, the Living Mummy, where uh, Scooby and Shaggy are eating ice cream bologna sandwiches a la mode. Oh, my God. Or something like that, and... Yeah, the, at, literally the, sorry. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I'm, I'll, I just wanted to say really fast that I'm looking at this background painting for the space kook and see the trees. I was, I was like trying feverishly to clean up the trees in, in my comic, and I'm seeing I was way too neat with them because <laughs> those are really. That's just like someone with a marker really fast going. <laughs> but anyway. well, maybe Bob Ross worked on Scooby Doo. <laughs> and, and a happy little tree. We'll just cover up that mistake. That'll be our little secret. Yeah. <laughs> you better not tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, Space Cook's always been my favorite because everything else is like it's it's varying shades of a man in a mask. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, this one just seemed to have a lot. It just always seemed more solid. You know, it's a ghost from space. You know, it's a dead astronaut. You know, I always thought that was kind of cool. Is is he Major Tom? Yes, we've all seen that episode of Venture Brothers. I'm talking about the song, man. We know the song. <sighs> I mean, I thought you'd listen to David Bowie. I was going to put in song lyrics over the uh, over the panels where they're running through the hallway. And I was uh-huh. like, no one's going to get this. And like three people today were like, you should have put in song lyrics. <laughs> I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> Deal. The thing is, you should realize is the people who read Dossian are of a higher caliber of reader than than like uh, a higher caliber who, of dork. Yeah, they're not the same people that read like you know, uh, dumbing of age. It's action. It's drama. It's comedy. It's Dossian, the superhero webcomic. Dossian's got superhero antics and sexy girls. Read it now at Dossian.com. D-A-S-I-E-N dot com. Hello and welcome to a crossover of comic connoisseurs and animation aficionados. Uh, we're we're going to do a special topic and this is going to be a little bit of a different format today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite web comics. Uh, you of course know my two co-hosts here. Uh, TV's Mr. Neil. Howdy who. And also JT from Saskatoon. Hello. And like I said, we're going to talk about webcomics. Uh, because of this, and uh, because webcomics are available online, we're not going to have a solicitation se- section today. 
So we're just going to jump right into the meat of it. How's that sound, guys? Sure. That works. All right. So, first of all, let's talk about one of one of my favorite webcomic creators, uh, someone who actually does work in the print industry as well. Um, of course, talking about the uh, Canadian Giselle Lagasse. Yep, and her Pixie Tricks empire. Yes. <laughs> Which oh, uh, basically birthed out of Penny and Aggie. Yes. Penny and Aggie had a child, and it was Pixie Tricks. <laughs> Well, the uh, the thing that how this works is the first comic that, that Giselle had was Eerie Cuties. Mm-hmm. And she had this character that was this witch girl who left the school at the end of a, a story in Eerie Cuties. So all of a sudden there's magic chicks. And then another character from Eerie Cuties left. The, uh, 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 Chloe, I think is her name. So they had another spin out, Dangerously Chloe. Does it just keep doing that? It just keeps splintering, like, and that's how yeah. each series gets born. Yeah, and then you know, then she started doing this other title called Menage Three, which was a story that takes place in a more real world. And then you know what happened was with Menage Three was there was this waitress character named Sandra that showed up a couple times. Right. Sandra goes on this weird adventure, and now there's Sandra on the rocks. And then there's a story about the, the, this gay guy that was a supporting character in Menage A3 named Dylan. And now there's this other comic, Sticky Dylan Buns. <laughs> Sticky Dilly Buns. Yes. And that's why I make a, made a prediction about from Sandra on the Rocks. There's this driver character that they are showing a lot of recently. And I'm saying, I bet you by March, this driver character is going to have her own comic. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. It's it's like All in the Family, how that gave birth to like how many different shows, or Happy Days. Yes. So, so Neil, take it away. What makes these comics so great? Well, I think everyone knows that I'm like a raging pervert, so I'm just going to say the girls. <laughs> I mean, plus, you know, I, I believe in I believe in sexiness with with a with a heart, so. I, I like sexiness, but I also like it being very sweet and cute and all these, all the things that I think a lot of um, a lot of other uh, cheesecake artists kind of omit. Yeah. More so in the '90s, there were a lot of uh, I'm going to use finger quotes, sexy girl artists who were not very good at writing uh, decent characters. Yes, we're looking at you, Chaos Comics. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I got to say the one thing I love about Giselle's artwork is because I started with Menage A3 <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've fallen off, confession time for a moment, I've fallen off the webcomic bandwagon for a few months here. So it's an ongoing project of mine to go back to the last comics I remember reading and then catching up and hey, there's a lot. But that being said, I started with Menage A3 and what got me into that was Giselle's apparent love of Archie comics. Cause when you look at her character designs, th- this is a slightly edgier, you know, set of Archie and the gang. It, it's like Archie meets, it, it's like Archie comics meets Adam Warren is how I put it. Yeah. yeah Early I mean, Adam Warren. The, the, the humor in the strip is gold. I mean, it's, it's sexy time fun. This is like, just, it's like a solid R rating. Just edging ever so, it, it is kissing the line between R and NC seventeen. 
you know, and back in my day, it was X. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's the best. Sorry, you go, Neil. I, I will say that uh, I, I wouldn't say it's so much Adam Warren. Adam Warren is more like uh, uh, Kenichi Sonata. He's basically the American version of, of Sonata. Okay. I think I think uh, Giselle Lagasse's comic is Archie Comics meets Skinamax. <laughs> Specifically yes. 90s Skinamax, Andy Sedaris, that kind of shit. Well, what, I'm totally on the Andy Sedaris bandwagon at the moment because I got the box set this Christmas, uh, and it's awesome. Well, nice. <laughs> what, what I think also works is there's a certain level of geeky nerdiness in the writing that, you know – is subtle. A good example of this is there was a storyline in Menage A three where where uh where Z and uh and uh and uh, what's her name? The uh the blonde uh Z and uh and Dee Dee thought that they broke uh, Gary's transformer. And what I love about it oh. is I thought that was funny, but when when I showed it the, the storyline to Neil, Neil saw the first panel and says, "Well, but, but Ben, technically that's the Overlord, and it actually transforms that way. It's it's a parts former." I'm like, "God damn it, Neil, you ruined the punchline." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that was actually I, I have to agree with you. That's like one of the best ones because, it, and it's kind of like you know to re- like Amanda Connor. One of the best things that Jill does is specifically with Menage Three is the the freak out faces she puts on a lot of her characters, like just those exaggerated, like, Oh oh my God, what are we going to do? Sort of thing. And that, that was like a, that was like such a classic sitcom sort of story. And it was done so well where they're freaking on. They, you know, she, she got, what did she end up getting the job or she was working a job at the comic store in order to buy Gary a new toy. Yes. And everything. But I mean, talking about the humor, like it's sexy and everything, but there's a lot of heart to it. And sometimes it's just really creepy. Like, uh, uh, what's the Japanese girl? Uh, uh, the Japanese girl? Oh, the one that sees tentacles? Uh, what's her name? Jeez. Uh, uh, it's like, <laughs> like she, she's got this, because her father is like this famous like hentai tentacle. artist. Yes. Tentacle artist. She's got this like phobia of male genitalia that she's seen so many hentai pictures of women. Yeah. Yuki's got this thing where whenever she sees um, the part of the male anatomy that most guys do their thinking with, uh, she sees tentacles and she just starts lashing out in the most violent way possible. And it's usually ends up with her cracking Gary upside the dome, something fierce. (laughs) And... And she's also like, you know, just the whole obsessive stalker love affair she has with Z. Well, like I said, the, the uh, over, Overlord comic storyline is, is, like I said, when I first showed that first panel, that first strip to Neil, that storyline, Neil immediately, he's like, you know, te- technically bad. It's just, I was like, oh, damn it, that's... You know, he, he ruined the punchline for himself, but even then, I think he still enjoyed it, right, Neil? Yeah, I enjoyed it, because I found it funny because I knew what happened immediately. <laughs> I'm just like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and also, I love how they do, like, how Z occasionally Giselle draws her with, like, the kitty face. Yes. Like, like where she's in the first panel where she's like, shoo, shoo! And the bug eyes when they break them apart like that. It's just like, oh shit. <laughs> now, one of like everything Giselle does is pretty much gold 
in my opinion. Yes. But I'm just looking at my dig reader here, like my my ag- feed aggregator, and I'm looking at. I realize that at least a third, almost half of the web comics that I used to read on a continuous basis, there it's the entire Pixie Tricks Empire. Um, one, I don't think it's updated in forever. The, the web comic I got started with was Sinfest back in the day. Yeah. Uh. That's not saying it's perfect. It's just that that's what got me into web comics, and it's. You know, back in the day when it's like he was going for like urban humor and offensive as a Tetsuya Shia and it's just it was fun and I really what got me into Sinfest was the art style, which is this very It is it is very Calvin and Hobbes esque. Yeah, kind of. it's yeah. it's got that classic kind of, you know, comic strip feel, like with the character designs. And then you have stuff like uh, where, like Slick, like the main character is basically like he'll have like the fantasies where he's Wasabi, the pimp ninja, <laughs> and having these uh, daydream interludes of like uh, going after the, this geisha ninja slut or something like that. And, and this comic is not, you know. What's the word I'm looking for? This is so far removed from politically correct, it's almost not funny. But that's actually kind of the funny thing, is that the reason why Ben kind of groaned uh, a minute ago is because Sinfest has has done a 180, and it is now totally politically correct. Uh, Slick is not even in the comic anymore, except to, like, uh, just make a straw man. And uh, Monique is basically... Uh, the preachiest character you will ever see, almost as bad as Gynostar. It's yeah. it's almost it's almost SJW the comic. It, it is. Yeah. It's. But, but what sold me on Sinfest was like I started. I, I think I came back. I was probably two years into the run when I first found it through a friend, and the first strip sold me. It's like Calvin and Hobbes meets Charlie Brown because Slick's running up, and for the longest time. The God and the Devil were like supporting characters in this comic, and the first Better than is, God and the Bear, or God yeah. the Devil and Bob, <laughs> yeah, or God and Family Guy. But like Slim's walking, Slick's walking around. He walks up on a. It's reminiscent of Lucy's. You know, the Doctor is in Five Cents, please. It's anything you want, your price, your soul, and the Devil's just sitting there smiling. And Slip, Slick stops, thinks about it sits down, what the hell? And they go from there. And it's just something about, I think it was like, I use the word irreverence. It's just the fact that this was so, for the humor in here, it was adult and it was funny and it was sometimes topical. But it was so far removed from, you know, the cookie, almost cookie cutter safe of your traditional comic, like newspaper comic strips like Garfield, Charlie Brown, you know, Doonesbury, as political as Doonesbury got it. Doonesbury never made is, is a. I, I'm sorry, Doonesbury has always been a fucking rag. I've never seen a good Doonesbury. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's just this was so far. This was on the farthest end of the spectrum you could get from traditional web from comic strips. I mean, so you know, I love Sinfest. There's other another comic I love reading for the longest time before I realized how much of a douche the creator was. Ben, can you guess who I'm talking about? David Willis? Yes. Oh, 
Dave Willis's problem is he's an idiot. And the biggest problem is is he draws more comics making straw men of people that he lost debates to on DeviantArt. Yeah. They does drawing actual comics now. Although I I gotta give uh Willis credit on one comic and one comic alone. Um there was there was this asshole a while ago who took a bunch of uh Bill Watterson quotes and it was like it was about having artistic integrity and Bill Watterson was speaking specifically about Calvin and Hobbes, but this I forget it was like Zen penciling or something. I forget what the name of the series was, but he made it seem like Bill Water he drew the entire comic in the Bill Watterson style. It made it seem like Bill Watterson was talking about like work for hire, you know, like doing stuff for for uh for newspapers and stuff. And he just made it sound like he was all anti that. And for the one First and only time in his life, uh, uh, David, uh, Willis. David Willis actually made a response to that where he was where he was right, and I was like, "Well, even a stopped watch is right <laughs> twice a day." But but I, I got to give him credit for that. I mean, we're talking about a person who vilifies uh, vilifies how women are objectified in art, but then drew a paid for you know, pornography comic of his two lesbian characters getting it on. Uh, you can't go more hypocritical than that, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is this, if, if he's pro-porn all the way, then whatever. I don't care. If, if he's going to be a stickler to, to his ideals of, of objectifying women all the of not objectifying women all the way, then, you know, he's a fool, but whatever. But, you know, you, you can't you can't speak out of one side of the face and then shit on the other. <laughs> I can't really attack him for doing porn art, but well, there, it's, it's, I, I did see that, and I'm like, porn. I did see that, and I'm like, wow, I'd really like to give him some pointers on this. Well, well, he he drew the vagina is like this whole thing, yeah. well, like you never like saw was, one before. Well, it's like the the characters had like no emotion in that comic. It was just kind of bland to look at. Yeah. With, I know it's the only Willis comic I ever really read was Short Packed, and I really got into that because, if you know it, don't know anything else about David Willis is he's this huge Transformers fan, which when I was looking for web strips to get into, you know, just kind of put I put you know geeky web comics, see what happens. And that's how I found it. I mean, for the longest time, it was funny because it was about this group of characters that work at this toy store, and their boss is basically Norman Osborn, and. You know, there's like Ninja Rick and Ronald Reagan works there. And it was all this kind of goofy stuff. And it was kind of charming in a way. And then over time, it just, he tried to keep the humor in there, but it got further and further away from like the toy and kind of nerd humor that really brought me to the strip. And it became more about the characters and the relationships, which is bound to happen in any comic. I mean, sooner or later, stuff's got to change. It just like Ben said, it just got really kind of preachy in a way that I just stopped reading it. Well, but, uh, the worst thing you can do is lose your audience for your own uh, for 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 your own uh, for your own preachiness. I mean, well, well, the biggest problem I have with Willis is Willis is the kind of guy that tells but doesn't show. I mean, here's this guy that arguably does have some artistic talent. But he'd rather have two people discussing something than showing what they're discussing. He's the there filmation. Was, he's the filmation of web comics. Yeah, because there was a strip once when they were talking about uh, how uh, Daddy Warbucks was uh, 
was this uh, embodiment of of uh, anti New Deal America, and something about Superman throwing Hitler into the sun was part of the analogy about this. I don't know. I don't remember the exact strip. And the thing is, is here's these two talking heads talking about something like Daddy Warbucks from from Annie leading up to Superman throwing Hitler into the sun. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is a visual medium. You know what would have actually made this interesting? If David Willis fucking drew Superman throwing Hitler into the sun versus having two people talk about it. In in the the other thing that Willis like abuses the hell out of is copy paste, copy paste. The good example of this is his infamous Muppet strip, where he pokes quote holes into the plot of the new Muppet movies. And I'm thinking to myself, here's this guy. Here is this guy who calls himself a geek, and he's trying to apply real world legalese to a movie universe that has standard rich and famous contracts. Well, Muppets are basically a cartoon. I mean, I know they're they're felt and everything, but the the logic is the same. So I know that's what I'm saying. Like, it's is... kind of like going back to the back to the Flintstones and being like, these people should all be in jail. You know, it's like it's just a cartoon. Relax. I know, and, and that's that was the that was the whole point of David Willis like poking holes into the Muppets. I'm like, dude, it's the Muppets. Yeah. I mean, or... the thing is, is I could tell he didn't grow up loving the Muppets by the tone of his comic. Well, we should probably move on sooner. But one one last thing I want to touch on is the page where he was he was dissecting the faces of the of the Transformers. He's like, everyone has the same face. I'm like, you of all people saying that, really? Because all of his faces <laughs> are like these kind of like potato shapes with dot <laughs> eyes and like oblong mouths. I'm like, you have no room to be talking, my friend. Mr. Kettle. Hello, Kettle. It's the pot calling. So let's talk about uh, Phil Foglio. Oh, yes. Girl genius. Um, right now, the current strip, as of this recording, is uh, Phil likes to do like these uh, these uh, paper doll filler strips because he just loves doing them. And, you know, I don't see a problem with that. You know, as, as people know, Phil Foglio is a uh, veteran of the of, uh, the of the standard print comic book industry that came out into the... Uh, web comic industry and really made a splash i mean this is a guy who draws just to have fun with it and he does it purely for the he does it purely for the fun of it and i love it there's i'm gonna have to agree with you because there there's some the the comic that ben posted folks it has this one blurb yes the empires of mad science are built of blood sweat oil and coffee if you are even doing even close to right, things are going to just those two sentences. That's fun. Yes. And I love like the, you know, they got like the long shirt, the tattered mad science outfit, uh, the, the pièce de résistance, a royal, royal ball gown, which looks like it might have been borrowed from the doctor with all the clocks and whatnot strapped about it. <laughs> only this, only like, only Sylvester McCoy would do would have any clocks. Yeah, no, it's it's good, man. It's just like you, you. It's, I don't know art, but I know what I like, and like I know I like this. Yes. And it's um, rare with a lot of web comics where you see something that just exudes like the joy 
that the creator put into it. Yeah, Phil Fulpley was a great guy. I mean, he, uh, he, you know, Girl Genius is what he calls a gas lamp fantasy comic because he doesn't like steampunk because there's, he, as he puts it, there's steam, but there's no punk. And I know Neil has issue with that because... I, I don't have issue with it. It's just like, that's that's going to be a losing battle when I'm the, I made that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, overall, I do enjoy it. Uh, I mean, there's lots of comics that I haven't read in years. Be- because, as you know, your tastes could change, you know, either slightly or radically depending on your mood, you know? so Because, it, because my tastes... And the comics themselves shifted dramatically, and that's one of the beauties of webcomics is because you don't have to wait for publication, you you could grow and change your comic radically for the better or for the worse because you could have a zany, wacky gaming webcomic and then all of a sudden have a, have your girlfriend have a miscarriage. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, someone needs to control alt delete that comic. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> you, you, you want to explain the reference to JT? <laughs> the name of the comic is Control Alt Delete. Yes, but no, no. I used to read that comic. Yeah. I, I read it right up until uh, they had the epic reboot sacrifice thing, and then uh, kind of stopped <laughs> stopped reading it. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? And check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on Geekcast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same. By the power of Grayskull, I command the Jawbridge. Open! Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF Joe Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. One comic that I, out of, like, you know, there's Giselle's work, uh, one of the, besides Sinfest, the other webcomic that got me into reading webcomics was PVP by mm-hmm. Scott Kurtz. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll let him go. Okay. And I originally started reading it, you know, very, again, pretty early in its run where it was a lot of nerd jokes and it's just, you know, video game humor. And it grew from there into what I think is a reasonably, reasonably well-established, you know, it's it's still about the characters and there's some video game humor, but it's more it's kind of what they did with Big Bang Theory, where it was just the straight up just making fun of nerds and comics and everything. And it's grown like the characters have grown, you know, it's changed over time very naturally, I think. And I really I still enjoy reading it, but it's still about the staff of PVP magazine. You know, there's 
Brent, Sienna, and Jade, and Francis, and Cole, and Max, and it's just, it's, have you ever read this stuff? I have. It's been a long time. Yeah. Now, God, Neil seems to favor a little, or favorite a little bit. What is your take on this comic, Ben? Um, the thing is, is Scott other, Kurtz. Other is, than it, I knew it was going to be Scott Kurtz, but he was. I think he was asking about the comic itself. The comic itself yeah. is okay. I mean, it never really wowed me. The art style is the art style. It, it, it never really grabbed me in the same way that uh, you know. You know, early David Willis had like this innocent charm to it that that made me go, you know what, this guy could go some places. But Scott Kurtz's art style made me go, eh, it's okay. You know, I, I never understood. I I, I think I think he sort of topped out art artistic wise early. You know, and the, the the story never really got to a point where I was like excited for it or or or. or it just didn't grab you the way other comics have grabbed you. That's right. Yeah, it's well, kind of, that's fair. It's kind of like a newspaper comic, yeah, in that way that it, it's kind of like Frank and Ernest or one of those comics where I see it and it looks funny and I like the art, but I really don't read it. So that's that's kind of what I think of PvP. I don't really have a, a negative opinion of it or a positive one. It's just it's just something that's there. Yeah, I mean it's. Everyone likes something different. I mean, I like I said, I used to like Short Packed, and they got away from what got me in the strip, and you know, Willis got preachy, so I stopped reading it. I mean, there was other comic strips that I loved reading. There was, uh, well, my absolute favorite, I'm going to say for the end, but the creator of it, uh, Ryan Somner, uh, created this comic strip, you know, Least I Could Do. And a few years ago, he's because he's a huge comic fan, you know, he's basically a huge comic fan of the me and both web and print comics. He created this series called The Gutters, which is basically him and other writers and creators and taking shots at elements within mainstream comics, like, you know, the stupidity of the Civil War or how many different versions of the Hulk there have been and even the business practice. Like, there's been any number of strips of him taking shots at, uh, you know, like Dan DiDio and Casada. And it used to be fun, and it was all done in, like, basically a comic book-style page. Like, the entire strip is in the format of a comic book page. And then it just stopped being funny. Like, it's... Like, they there's only... It turns out, with this format, there's only so much you can make fun of before you start retreading old material and it's like yes Dan DiDio's an idiot yes Joe Casada is an idiot you know and there's only so many times you can make fun of like you know Batman's utility belt or Spider-Man running out of web fluid it's just like it just stopped being funny and I think for at least for me that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow a bit because you know you love something for so long and then you finally have that realization wow this really sucks now that is horrible let's just have that's how I feel about short. No, I, I just looked at. I just or looked not short packed out of the gutters. I just looked at least I could do, and he just had a thirteen-page story in the strip about a guy zipping up and and snagging his penis in the zipper. Thirteen-strip story about the. Don't take old Ben Stiller movie plots as inspiration, people. Well, I was in Ren and Stimpy before it was in uh, a Ben Stiller movie. 
Hmm. I'm, I'm just saying that I, that's not something that should be lingered on. Yeah. <laughs> so, Do a story about what's another else. one. Yeah. I was going to say, what, what other strips have you guys read that you've enjoyed? Um, it's been, I'm actually just now trying to catch up with SGVY because it's, I, I had fallen off a wagon like years ago and never really made it all the way through. Um, so that's a good one, obviously. We're giving a free plug to Kitty Hawk. Yes, um, we are. It's always. And there's one, I'm not sure if it's even online anymore. It's the Gods of Archelon. It's, mm. it's a little preachy. It's a little on the, uh, on the Democrat side, I'll say. But overall, it's a, it's a really, really good comic when you can look past, you know, the environmentalist messages, which I don't mind, but they get kind of heavy handed. That's true. Well, there's the, the, the biggest problem I have with the preachiness is when so someone goes so far to create a straw man of something mm-hmm. that it totally loses, totally loses the credibility of an argument. Well, straw man or not, I, I just think it's kind of a douchey thing to do, especially for these guys who have these uh, supposedly humor-based comics, and then you go there and it just turns into these talking heads who are hashing out contemporary uh, political issues. And I really hate when comics turn into – when good comics go political. And it doesn't matter either side. I just think it's not, it's not fair to your audience. I mean, they come, they come for a laugh or, you know, to see something exciting and you just throw tons of word bubbles at them, all having to deal with the politics. And it's just, it's just kind of a douchey thing. Maybe we should talk about more about the comics that we like instead of the ones we don't like. Oh, that's a good idea, but I'm sorry. We're just like, you know, dredging from the bottom of the well here. Well, we didn't even hit the bottom of the well, but, um, Yeah, we haven't talked about Pumpkin yet, ben. and we won't. Yeah. Um, let's see, other comics I like. Uh, honestly, I gave lots of comics a try. Um, I gave El Gunas Shive a long try. But the problem is Dan Shive isn't good with pacing. He, he just isn't good with pacing. And because of that, the comic just is... Really hard to follow, really hard to dredge through, and it's just the pain to, to, to read. Um, other comics, um, his art's nice, but you know, good art doesn't save everything. Um, is he the one that has the big googly eyes? Yes, the big googly anime yeah. eyes. They're kind of like um, airfield eyes. Yes. Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, I like. Uh, I do like Simon's Cat. That's that's like that is a a comic strip as well as an animated set of strips. Really yeah. great. I mean, Simon's Cat is like what Garfield should have stayed as. It's really cute. Uh, have you seen Simon's Cat, JT? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, like I said, Simon's Cat is what Garfield should have stayed as. Well, I think the difference uh, is the the creator of Simon's Cat actually has a cat. And I don't think Jim Davis ever had a cat. I remember him saying that, like, I think it, it was his wife who was allergic to cats or something, so he didn't have one. <laughs> wow. I, th- I think that's the difference. Because you can tell that, that Simon's cat, that guy has a cat. More than one. Yeah. Because that's cats def- have certain That's definitely a cat's owner's, uh, a cat owner's uh, point of view. 
Yes. And, but speaking of Garfield, one strip that I've loved reading, and I don't read it as frequently as I used to, is this uh, one, uh, Garfield without Garfield. And it's basically uh, somebody has posted, uh, they take old Garfield strips and edit Garfield and Odie and all the other animals out. So it's just John talking to empty space. And it looks like he, it's basically looks like the world of a man who's totally insane. Cause he's just, John just sitting there and uh, talking to nothing. So it just looks like he's crazy. <laughs> There was another version of that where they left Garfield in, but they took out his, all his thought balloons. Yeah. So it's just it's just John talking to the cat, and the cat staring at him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of my other favorite strips. Again, this is something I probably uh, there's so many of these that I have to. I'm going to end probably end up going through and rereading like two years worth of comics because I honestly can't remember how long it's been since I've read some of these. Uh, another one I loved reading is uh, Questionable Content. Which is basically about a group of friends. I forget what city it's set in, but it's basically this group of friends. There's Martin, who's like this kind of mopey guy. He works in uh, like a college library. He has his uh, anthropomorphic slash sociopathic uh, robotic computer pint size, who is basically pure walking id and is obsessed with butts. In fact, his uh, character description on the website is obsessed with butts dangerously obsessed with butts i like him already <laughs> yeah and then there's uh faye who's like snarky sarcastic kind of it's daria with even more attitude i would describe her there's it's just like it's just like a relationship comic without it actually being a relationship comic. And again it's i liken it to pvp and the fact when you start reading it it's like martin getting faye as a roommate and then they start to meet you know, the other characters that become parts of the cast. And it just, it grows from there. And you see the relationships grow. Like Martin doesn't have a girlfriend. You see him, you, they have this whole will they, won't they with Faye until he starts dating Dora, who runs Coffee of Doom, which is the coffee shop that they all, you know, uh, would he congregate at. And they have stuff like uh, Momo, who's uh, another character. There's Marigold Farm, who's this, Basically, it's uh, Amy Farrah Fowler from Big Bang Theory, if she was a real person, and just really obsessed with anime. So her anthro PC is Momo, which basically looks like a magical schoolgirl kind of thing. And there's characters, there's uh, Penelope, who's one of the girls that works at the Coffee of Doom, but everyone thinks she's this uh, pizza delivery girl named Pizza Girl, who literally pimps in... Like, she's a superhero. She mask, cape, costume, everything. Pimps away. Then Penelope comes back in. They're like, hey, thanks for the pizza. I didn't deliver a pizza. It's, it's just one of those things, you know, they introduce this character and they never clearly say whether or not she's, you know, a superhero. And it's just all these characters come in and out so organically. And that's the best thing about it is there's never a bad reason for that character to be there. That's what Talking I love about, about it. that. Talking, what's that? Talking about that uh, reminds me of uh, reminds me of some other comics that uh, that um you know that I just remembered reading in the past. Uh, you know, it's you know, speaking of relationship comics that take a left turn, you know, how can we men- how can we not mention one of the longest running web comics in the world, Neil? Okay. Sluggy Freelance. Oh. 
See, I never read Sluggy Freelance, so. Never? Never. Not one page. Never, ever, ever? Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever? It's like, <laughs> I think I've seen, I think I saw the art for it once, and I'm like, this doesn't look like anything that would ever interest me. <laughs> I mean, um, th- there was this time when uh, when Keen Spot and Keen Space was making more money than they knew what to do with, because uh, online advertisement was fairly a new thing, and the online advertisers gave ridiculously good uh, uh, purview rates on on ads, and the you know this was when Keen Spot was the way to make it in web comics, and uh, this was when, you know, th- this was when there was no other alternative. This is this is you know when Drunk Duck was just a twinkle in the eye, and uh, and there were there were all these comics on uh, on Keen Spot. Like uh, I think Neil, uh, do you remember College Roomies from Hell? That was so long ago. I it sounds familiar. It, there are comics that I remember reading. I remember the the act of reading if I don't remember anything about the comic. I know, and, and that's the that's the thing about the uh, about uh, college roomies from hell. It uh, it had this elaborate cast where the cast actually had superpowers. Like one character turns into like a werewolf, the other a were coyote actually. Another character has like laser eye beams, and and it had like this really rough art style but there was like a little bit of a charm to it but again this is a case where 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 i, I don't i i know what i'm about to say is going to sound really rude and really mean but where quality wasn't quite the bar to block making it yet mm-hmm. where if you have something that's interesting enough but you aren't quite up there in quality yet it doesn't matter because you're there first, you sort of snuck in before everyone else. Uh, I, I, I know I'm sounding really rude, and I apologize for, for sounding mean. To, to, But at the same time, I think it's true that there's lots of people that if they tried to do the same thing now, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't even even gotten close to the popularity they got in the early days. Right. And I, I think I could say that. I think everyone can agree that that's true. And... And I think College Roomies from Hell is definitely a case of one of those comics. And like, not I'm not saying it's a bad comic or even a horrible comic. I'm just saying that you know there was this time when if someone you know got in early, they they all of a sudden got all the accolades and and everything, even if the comic just isn't that great. I mean, uh, Neil, can you think of any other examples like that? Uh. If there were, I've long forgotten about them. I know that there were tons of comics that were just kind of on Drunk Duck and on Keen Keen Space, what what is now Comic Genesis, by the way, where mm-hmm. there was just a, a whole wave of comics that were just hard to look at, and there are a lot of them that are still out there today. Yes, sadly enough. <laughs> and well, a good way of putting this is is. You know, there was this wave that started with webcomics where the people that were on the first wave were able to make businesses and, and you know, become the next uh, the next uh, Penny Arcade and et cetera, et cetera, before everything started. Before, before like, safeguards were put in place to keep the riffraff out. Um, the spring you know, comics. 
Yeah, Gabe and Tycho built a million-dollar industry on two guys snarking about video games. Right. In comics. Oh, I used to read Penny Arcade so much. And and the thing is, there's lots of other people that that saw that and be like, well, I can make a gaming webcomic. You know, this is how Control-Alt-Delete started. This is how uh, PvP started. I mean, you know, truthful or not, you know, you know, nice or not, this is the truth. This is how it happened. And, you know, this is how Mega Tokyo started until it became like this really weird thing that we don't even want to talk about now. Oh, my God. I, I do have to mention my favorite Penny Arcade strip, and this is from years and years ago, but I still remember it to this day is uh, uh, Gabe's the – which one's Gabe, the brunette or the black? I don't Gabe know. is the black-haired guy. Okay. So Gabe comes in and Tycho's like, I thought you were playing Street Fighter with Jesus. Yeah, but he was being a real dick about it. And the next panel is Jesus Christ throwing up the horns and going, woo! And he comes back and Gabe's like, Jesus threw up the horns? What can I say? Jesus is fucking metal. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that is honestly the first strip I ever read with Penny Arcade. And I followed it for years until... They started doing like the their games like the Rain Slick Precipice of Doom and you know, once Steam really became a thing and they were doing their own kind of like point and click adventure game on the side, it just it it I lost my taste for it. Now, one comic I want to mention, and I think all three of us love this strip unequivocally, and that's JL eight. Love JL eight. Ah yes. For those that don't know, JL eight is a comic strip uh, about the... I just want to make sure I get the author's name right here. Yale Stewart is an independent comic book artist. It's what if the DC... The Justice League were five and six-year-olds in school and their teacher slash principal is Julie Schwartz. Yes. And it goes from there. And it is adorable. It is beautiful. It is brilliant. And it's on hiatus right now. <laughs> As at least as far as I've read, because uh, well, it was on. It might be on, on off the hiatus now, but for a while back in August, uh, Stewart put the strip on hiatus because he was doing some charity work for what happened in uh, Ferguson, and there were claims of sexual harassment, and there was just a lot of a lot of who who what do you, what do you call it a lot about John. Uh, much ado about nothing is what the phrase I was looking for, and you know he's back doing it now. I mean the last one came out, I think just on uh, was it New Year's Eve or something. Yeah, just basically came out on New Year's Eve, and you know so he's on hiatus for a little bit into the new year. But I mean the best thing about it is, you know Batman's you know a jerk, but it's only because you know he doesn't know how to make friends because you know it, it takes like the origins and the personalities of the adult characters and finds the five-year-old versions of that you know because they have like what was the one uh they had the one who's like make their costumes better batman and superman you know they get the lines built into the costumes and the flash i'm gonna be cool too and barry allen in this is such a dork i love him he takes a magic marker and just draws the panel lines on his costume like right on the spandex and you just see Batman just look at him and shake his head. Or Batboy, however it is. But I mean, if you have any love for DC Comics, not classic DC, not 
pre-52 DC, not post-crisis, just if you have any love for the many, many characters in the DC comics, you owe it to yourself to start reading GL8. And I love how the art looks, because he, he does it in a way that it looks like a print comic. Yes. Yeah, kind of like the coloring. And... Yeah, the coloring has that kind of uh, analogish type uh, where it's not solid. It looks like something that was you, printed. You could almost feel the newsprint. Yeah, it looks like newsprint. Because it, it's got that faded color. And, and my favorite thing about the art is, like, yeah, the the newsprintiness of it. You know, you could almost feel it. The faded colors. It, it's For me, it's personally, it's the simple, solid lines. Like he puts just enough detail into each strip, so you you know who you're looking at. You know the backgrounds are very much like there. There's almost no backgrounds. I mean, if there has to be a bookshelf or something in the background, no, he does. Put he it does. There, he does pretty good backgrounds. I think. I think well, he does. But but what I'm saying is is that's you know if it has to have a background, he does. And if it doesn't, then there's not really anything in the background. The characters dominate it. So you don't have to worry about like this is like one of the most well put together comic strips on the internet, and the fact that he hasn't been sued into oblivion by Warner Brothers and DC Comics is absolutely mystifying. Well, he's not making money off of it. That really would stop a huge company from suing somebody into oblivion. Yes, that's the biggest thing is you know he can do whatever you want. I mean, look at how many people draw fan art on DeviantArt or sell commissions yes. for fan art on DeviantArt. That's I mean, the thing is, is you know, go ahead, Neil. I was just saying that's true. That DeviantArt is basically fan art central, and you you don't you don't ever hear of uh, of copyright claims on DeviantArt. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very rare. No, there. But speaking of Deviate, uh, or sorry, Deviate, JL8, the something on the Marvel side of the pool, I don't know, have you guys ever read, uh, you remember back in Marvel Comics in the late 90s, they used to have the bullpen bits? Actually, one, actually, what I liked in the Marvel Comics was the, uh, was, uh, there was this, uh, Calvin Hobbes-esque, uh, oh, Franklin and her, yes. or Franklin Richards, son of a genius. Yes. No, that was good, where... Herbie was this put upon, you know, caretaker, and Franklin was Calvin, but with much less attitude, though no less excitable imagination. Uh, that what's the was it? Katie Power was like the uh, was the Lucy Brown of yes. the strip where she was like, you know, fiending after Franklin. Franklin's like, uh, that's nice. Why is she still staring at me? <laughs> you know, and Herbie's just sitting there. He's like, seriously, <laughs> love Herbie. Yeah, Herbie but gets I mean, the love. Oh yeah, well, her depends on what version of Herbie. I mean, I think the most hated. I think I don't think anyone could disagree. The most hated version of Herbie was from the new Fantastic Four cartoon in the seventies, where he replaced Johnny Storm. Oh God, <laughs> because that's replicatable, and children are stupid. Imitatable behavior. And but the like I was saying, the other thing from uh, like in the opposite end from GL8 was uh, the bullpen bits and such done by is it Chris G I think it's Gia Russo mm-hmm. who did like these Charlie very Charlie Brown inspired little strips involving Marvel characters. Like they had one uh, where Spider Man, you know. He, he, it's always Spider-Man. Like he's always in costume. He's never Peter Parker out of a costume. 
and he goes to work at the Daily Bugle, and J. Jonah Jameson is just yelling, oh, that damn blasted Spider-Man. Parker, get out there and deliver some newspapers, damn it. And, you know, he's he can see, if he looked, that Peter is in his Spider-Man costume. He just never sees it. And there's one storyline where he's got to get all these newspapers delivered. He's going to lose his job. You know, typical comic strip stuff. So he recruits Firestar and Iceman. Firefriends go for it, yes. yes. Yeah, it's Spidey and his amazing co-workers strip, which was great for the run. Uh, there's the anything involving the three Hulks. There's classic, you know, Green Hulk. There's Red Hulk. And for some reason, there's a Blue Hulk, who is even, is more level-headed than the other two, but no less or more intelligent. He's just, he's just the embodiment of frustration, though. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, and they have a strip like, uh, like the first, I think it was like the first one ever written where, uh, it's human torch is going around and he's like, Hey, Spider-Man, Spidey, can you play? Sorry, torch. My aunt won't let me play with fire. Hey, Daredevil, can you play? Sorry, torch. My dad won't let me play with fire. Hey, Wolverine, can you play? Sorry, torch. But what? You can't play with fire. No, I just don't like you. Snicked. <laughs> That that is the beauty. Like you can, I think they're all the entire collection, like over four or five digest size volumes. Like they've got it all collected. And then uh, after he was done at Marvel doing this, uh, Chris went over to Image and he created his own kind of ongoing comic strip. Like ongoing in the sense that uh, it's a series of one shots and miniseries that tell a sequential story. But Lord knows whenever the next issue is going to come out. And it's this thing called G-Man, and it's set in a very Silver Age superhero comics-inspired universe, but with all the heart that you read in, like, the bullpen bits. So. All right, well. I I still love that Spider-Friends go for it. (laughs) All right, well, I think we've talked out the webcomics for now. Uh, This, Like I said, this is our special crossover episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, This is your host, Ben. And JT from Saskatoon. TV's Mr. Neal of TheCN.com. That has a Scooby-Doo-esque crossover. Yeah, and by the, that should be over by the time you're listening to this, and uh, we'll be on to uh, other adventures. And we're saying goodnight! So long. Farewell. Avita Zane. Yes. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-released written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. So, let's see. Chris is on the move. What's this topic? On the move to his jail cell. Okay. Okay. New post on Facebook he made. I have... Okay. <clears throat> okay. Holy ravioli. You were right, Sonic. There are homos everywhere. <laughs> okay, I can't... Okay, how, how does that... It's kind of like this. I wish I, I knew liquid. <laughs>
You gotta admit the liquid had the best so- Yeah, best he did. You gotta put you gotta put some softness into it. You, you gotta put the child the childlike voice into it to get get it right. Y'all don't know me by now. I am the true and original creator of Sonichu. <laughs> okay. I have been on the move with the heavy listings and transport back to my original house and still sorting, organizing, and all. I have been at a lack of Wi-Fi and Internet access since last Wednesday. The only Internet I have at home here is on the 3G on my phone. I've been very busy and very, very stressed by the trolls. And should anyone give me a difficult time during my outings, resulting in turning my day bad, verbal attacks, and threats to my person, I will defend myself and only retaliate when absolutely necessary. I would even spray myself. I sincerely wish people would positively like me, yet I am unable to change their minds. And if I have to defend myself to get any respect as an individual, then it is their fault for frightening me into that defensive stance. Hashtag Sega will definitely hear of the earlier incident as well. <laughs> oh. So it's still about the blue arms. I can't believe he's just—he's just so fixated on that. It's like, okay, Chris, this has nothing to do with Sonic anymore. <laughs> Says you has to do with you spraying someone in the face with a mace. There you go, Neil. <sighs> Come on, Neil. You gotta look at that. All right, hang on just a sec. <laughs> you know you want to. You know you want it. You want it? You gonna get it? You want it? You gonna get it? Blue arm. Oh, I've seen this. Blue arms is the new black. <laughs> is it really that offensive, Neil? No, it I mean, really isn't. I'm I'm more. I, if, I mean, if I cared that much, I'd I'd be more bothered by the fact that it, they made them all lanky and and hip. Not, not that his arms are blue. They did that already when when the first uh, when, when the Dreamcast came out, Neil. I know they did that with Sonic Adventure. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of something that I've learned to ignore. I, I mean, the, and that's the thing is, back when Sonic Adventure first came out, there were a whole bunch of Aspies and, and Tards that, that raged about Green-Eyed Sonic. Remember, Neil? Yeah. But Chris wasn't one of them. He cares more about the arms. I, I don't get it. I, I mean, how you remember this. I, I, people were, were, were Tard raging about Green-Eyed Sonic. I remember. It was stupid bad, but... You know, it's like Chris is the only one that cares about about the uh, blue, blue arm Sonic. Well, all the other tards like got over the green eyed Sonic. Hmm. I'm sorry, the, the first thing you said, stupid bad, and I was gonna comment. Don't you mean strong bad? God, have they have they released any more uh, cartoons since the Halloween special? I may have to I binge on. So. Oh, I was hoping there'd be like a whole bunch that I could binge on. Well, I know what I'm spending my paycheck on tomorrow. What? Legacy Dragon Zord. Dragon Caesar. No, it's the Dragon Zord. It's not Dragon Caesar. Clearly says Dragon Zord on the box. I know what you're saying, Ben. Because 
No. Well, I thought I was going to have to spend $200 to get a tire fixed on my car today. That didn't happen. I only ended up spending like $34. So, How'd you get away with that? Well, story goes, Saturday night, I go leave work at McGuire's, and I go a little bit out of my way to go downtown to this Max uh, convenience store. There's a subway. Uh, didn't go in there because there was, well, a line, and I don't do lines at 3 in the goddamn morning. Because I just don't have the patience. So I go back out and I know... You don't got time for that? I have absolutely no time for that. I know it's when I go back... No, I didn't. So I go to my car and I see rear driver's side tires kind of flat. So I slowly roll over to the SEV that's near there. Spend $2 to find in the air compressor to find out I have to change a tire in minus 40 degree weather at 3 in the goddamn morning. And then I realized I don't have a toque or gloves because I didn't need those tonight. So I got to go into the 7-Eleven and spend like 30 goddamn dollars for some cheap shit. And say just normal minus 40 weather and you're not pissed off like I was. How long do you think it would take you to change a tire? Five minutes. You're an ordinary human being, Ben. I know. I've, I've changed the tire in five minutes before. In minus forty degree <laughs> weather at three in the goddamn morning. I did it seven. At, I did seven at night in a dark parking lot with rain. Oh, fair. But I think normally it would take a lot longer. It took me like 12, 20 minutes, and I thought I was going to have trouble with the lug nuts because it's minus forty and that shit's going to be frozen. And that took me less than five, and I was like, "Damn, I'm pissed off." <laughs> so I get home. Or I'm heading home, and the whole time that I'm changing the tire in my head, I'm going, I'm singing the fuck song. Fuck, 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 fuck. And then this other guy came over near, back to his car over near the air hose, and he's filling, you know, pumping up a tire, and he's like, tire go flat? And as much as I wanted to do the Bill Ingvall bit, I changed the soundtrack in my head from the fuck song to eat a dick, 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 eat a whole bag of dicks. And then I'm driving home and a cop pulls me over because I've got the spare donut tire on, so I can't really go that fast. And he's like, uh, what's going on here? And I was like, see that what I got in the rear driver's side there? And he's like, have a good night, sir. And on I went. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I told Ben this earlier, you know, then last night, you know, I'm driving around for a couple of days with this donut tire and I go to work last night and this guy was buying beer in the off sale and then going into the room where we got the VLTs. Oh, that's right. And he's, he's a racist. Yeah. He's a white guy, Russian. And when the manager on duty told him to get the hell out because he was buying these, like, the liter-sized cans of beer and drinking them in there because he had gotten cut off by the manager when he came there. And then he grabbed a can of beer and he didn't pay for it. And I called him on it. He, we were racist fucks. And we spent... No less than 15 minutes after we closed down, we're just wetting the cars warm up, trying to figure out what could we have possibly said to this man in the course of calling him on his bullshit that would label us racist. And we didn't say a damn thing. He just called us racist fucks. I still can't figure out where that came from. Like, hey, be pissed at us. Be as pissed off as you want to be. How in the hell are we racist fucks? You just are. Yeah. And then I went, took the car to get fixed. And I thought I was going to have to buy a whole new tire. And it's like, yeah, you're uh, like the, uh, what do you call it? The air valve or whatever, like what you put the air into was buggered. 
that was like a thirty some dollar fix. So I was like, hey, I actually have me money this check now, which is nice. You have me this money this check now. Yeah. I'm yeah, that makes total my money. sense. Me money. Rainy day fund. Yes, me money. Let's see here. What? Okay, what the fuck? What? Okay, uh, I I just I just discovered something that's even more fucked up than than a WWE and Flintstones crossover. What's that? WWE brought back its uh its raw guest hosts, and one one week they did uh they did as the guest host Grumpy Cat, and but- I'm. I'm looking at a picture here, and it's Grumpy Cat in the turnbuckle. It's the real cat. He's really there. Or she with the with the hat with with the with the earmuffs on and everything. No, no, she doesn't have the earmuffs on. She's just there in the. She's she's just kind of resting on the turnbuckle, and it's just like, why does this exist? Why did this happen? Did you touch yourself at night? God, I I don't understand it. It's because you let Macho Man die, Neil. Snapped into a tree limb. Oh. Wow. What? I, I can't eat believe, me. I, I can't believe they did that. That that's that, that that's kind of. Oh, you you didn't hear what the new animated feature that the WWE is doing? Flintstones. The Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. So what are they gonna call Dwayne the Dwayne Johnson? Rocky Maivia. <laughs> Just call him the Rock. And like I told Ben in the chat room, they should have. Instead of just calling the Undertaker the Undertaker, they should have called him. <laughs> they should have called him uh, Gravestone or Tombstone, you know, because everything has to have the rock theme to it. So. Mhm. And I see CM Punk is in it, and he hasn't been in WWE for um, a whole year now. <laughs> That's got to be really awkward, because he's featured in the trailer. John Cena Stone, okay. the Boulder Twins. Uh-huh. Why CM is, Punk Rock. Why is this happening? Because you touch yourself, Neil. <laughs> when you think about it, you touch yourself. Well, in that case, we're all doomed. There we go. How do you stop this from happening? Wow. Anyways, I need to get to bed because it's time for me to sleep. Alright. I'm going to pass out, too. Alright, Neil, are you going to pass out? No, I'm going to... All the cool kids are doing it. I'll be up for a few more hours. I gotta finish this page. And then finish some episodes? Yeah, I need to get back to those. Yes. Yeah. Alright. Excellent. Alright, good night. We're gonna silly do Tenshi Muya, Neil. Next you say next week? Can we get Kitty Hawk? Um we can try. Alright. Alright. Well, good, good luck with that guys. Alright, good night. I need sleep. Alright. Night. Good night.